Welcome to episode 123 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Why, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, (laughs) if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumer consumers from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. 
I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 123 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am fabulous. How are you doing? I had a really scary moment. Oh, no. What's your scary moment? It happened, and I was like, okay, good. We have the podcast, so I can ask Jen what she thinks happened, but I think I figured it out. Oh, good. It was really scary. So the other night, I I had them install a new toilet in my apartment because I moved in, and these buildings are about 10 years old, and I think it's the original toilet. I was a little nervous about like, you know, black mold and stuff. And I thought there was some in the tank. So I asked if they could replace the whole toilet and they actually did. Yeah. I think if you say black mold to a landlord, they're like, all right, what you want? Well, at first they were like, we can like Clorox it. I was like, can you just like replace the toilet? (laughs) Because that stuff is, you know, really hard to get out. So they did, which was great. But the other night it just started filling up with water and the water just kept coming. Like it just didn't stop. Like it was filling up from the tank and it just kept filling. So my whole bathroom flooded basically. Oh no. Which was terrible, but that's not even what the story is about. So that happened. Well, that's still no fun. Yeah, that was no fun. I was like on the phone at 3am with my mother. I was like, what do I do? Cause there was water everywhere. It was miserable. That all happened. So they brought this like big blower thing to dry it out. So it's been there a few days. And then last night, so I situated the blower to blow on a specific area. And then I like went around and did my stuff. And then I was going to bed and I noticed it was tilted. Like it wasn't the way I'd said it, but I was like, oh, maybe I just said it wrong. I don't know. So I set it back and then I went to bed. And then when I woke up, it was in a completely different position. Was it on or off? On. Okay. But this is like a really heavy blower. This is like a very heavy device. <laughs> and it was completely like, it had turned a 90 degree angle and moved over a little bit. And I was like, that's really weird. I was like, I guess I just, when I said it last night, I don't know, maybe I just said it the wrong way. So then, so I put it back to where I wanted it and I went about my business and it, and it was fine. And then I went to take a shower and then I got out of the shower and it had moved back to the exact same place from last time. And I like freaked out. I was like, oh my goodness, there is somebody in my apartment. And I like went around my apartment and I like opened all the doors. I was like, I don't know what's happening. Like, what is happening? So I moved it back again, but I set up, I mean, it had clearly moved. I was like, it's moved. 
I don't know how it's moved. So I set up my phone and I put the phone on and I recorded it for 30 minutes. And I realized it was like slightly, slightly moving, but like you couldn't tell. So I think what happened is as it was moving, when it moved, I guess the air hit like the door, which created like a feedback, which I guess made it rapidly completely change position while I was in the shower, even though it hasn't done that since. But um, I don't know. It was really, really, I thought I was going crazy. That's funny. Because it's like a really, really heavy unit. Like when I was moving it around last night, it was heavy. Like I could, it was hard for me to move it. So. Well, even like if it's just slightly off kilter in the way that it oscillates, does it oscillate? No, it doesn't move at all. Okay. Well, if it's slightly off center, like if the fan is a little bit askew inside its housing, especially if it's really powerful, it could have a vibration that causes it to rotate towards or away from or whatever that vibration is. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's what it was, but just when I woke up and it was in like a completely different position, it it just, it freaked me out so bad. And then when it moved, when I was in the shower, I was like, okay, I'm done. That's it. But yeah, I guess there's always hopefully an explanation for things. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it's like a ghost or anything or a a stranger, an intruder. I don't think. (laughs) Maybe it's the ghost of Leonard Nimoy trying to make content. (laughs) Oh, man. If I felt like this apartment like felt weird or haunted, then that'd be one thing. You know, like some places just feel creepy. Oh, yeah, I do. I don't have any feelings. Good. Yeah. About that here. It really scared me. (laughs) Well, I'm still packing like crazy. I'm actually working on my super secret project that I still can't talk about, but I'm doing that. And then in between there, I'm still packing. And so (sighs) (laughs) it's a lot of work. Life is crazy. It is a lot of work. Yeah. And I planned a trip. I have all these moderators in my Facebook group. Well, all of my groups, I have like lots and lots of moderators and I've invited them to go to the beach as like a thank you. So I've rented a couple of condos plus our condo that we own. We're all going to go down there. Not everybody can come, but a bunch are coming. And so we close on our new house. Actually, I think the day this episode airs is the day we're closing on the new house. And then one week later, I'm going to the beach and leaving behind my husband and my son in the new house. So, oh, no stress, no stress. That's fine. I'm really excited about going to the beach with these ladies. We're going to have such a good time. And I guess we're going to have to moderate the group while we're having fun together. So, you know, there may be a lot of mayhem going on during that that period of time. I'm sure we'll be doing Facebook Live and all sorts of things. But just a little thank you because I could not run. We're almost at a quarter of a million members combined in these groups. That's insane. I mean, it is crazy. And we're, you know, moderating the posts. And I couldn't do it without these ladies. I could not do it without them. They are, like, so important to me, like family. Well, that is, that's really exciting. It really is. So many big, exciting things coming. It is, you know. One more big, exciting thing. (laughs) You know how I talked all last week about launching the new podcast? Yes. iTunes didn't approve it. They took so long. So they didn't approve it until... You know, I said it was going to air August 2nd on a Friday. Right. Thank goodness I hadn't sent my like promo blasts yet or anything because I was waiting for it to get approved. Right. 
iTunes didn't approve it until I guess it was five days later. So it was that Friday night. So I was like, okay, never mind. <laughs> like, You're just going to wait a week. Yeah. So I, I like emailed our network Himalaya and I was like, let's just push back the official launch. Cause what it uploaded to that Friday was like the trailer basically, which I did that based on what you had. Yes. That, I forgot. That's what I did. I had episode zero and I put it out there, I think over a week before I officially was going to launch. Yeah. I forgot that I did that. In retrospect, I think that's a really good way to go. If anybody wants to start a podcast, that's a good way to go. I emailed Himalaya and I was like, let's just like push it back a week because yeah. (laughs) So it's actually happening this Friday. I'm going to send probably a launch email today, which is Wednesday. So by the time this episode airs, either way, it'll have come out. But yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited. Well, I can't wait for it to be awesome. It's exciting. We actually got a listener question a few days ago. I'm not going to say who the guest is for the first episode, but they wanted to know our specific opinions on like things this guest had said. And I was like, well, guess what? <laughs> He's my first guest. So I'm really excited. I think it's going to be really great. Well, good. It's always exciting to launch a new podcast. It's scary. It's exciting to like see things materialize, especially because you can remember like, I don't know, for all my like big projects, my book or this podcast or that podcast or like films I've done. It's like, you can remember, I always remember that first moment where I'm like, oh, maybe, you know, I'll do this, you know? And then it's like, oh, wow, it's actually materializing. Yeah. That's how I feel about this house that we're moving into. You know, I was like, maybe we could move. And I'm like, oh my God, we're going to have a different address. We've had the same address since 2005. We've been here a long time. It's like, I've forgotten how to move. (laughs) Oh yeah, that is. Yeah. I mean, my boys were little. They were five and six when we moved into this house. Yeah, because when we, my family just finally moved, you know, out of our childhood house. And I guess that was since, man, that was like since 2000 or so. It's, it's sad. It is. It's a lot, a lot of memories. Yep. You're going to dream about your house, just so you know. I mean, I do. Oh, I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will. All right. Shall we jump into everything for today? Yes, let's get started. All right, so to start things off, we have an email from Annie, and the subject is fasting and windows and hormones. Oh, my. Oh, yay. Wizard of Oz reference. And Annie says, I don't have an over-the-top crazy fasting story, but I have a couple of things I haven't heard anyone else talk about. I'm 53 and 5'6", small-boned, and have never had a major weight issue. I ranged between 130 to 140 the last 8 to 10 years and started IF for menopause relief. I've always been really even-tempered, and all of a sudden in the car, I was shouting obscenities, in my head of course, at inconsiderate drivers and losing my mind when someone didn't change the toilet paper roll. I didn't even like me anymore. I was listening to a podcast on menopause, and someone mentioned autophagy. Then my niece, a biologist who studies Alzheimer's and rats, mentioned it. And then I read an article in Runner's World that mentioned it. It was a sign. My internet search led me to your book, and I started IF on January 3rd of this year. I was 139 pounds and a size 6. Some winters I was an 8. It gets really cold and snowy here. I'm 119 pounds now and a size 2 or 4, depending on the clothes. I didn't know I had that much to lose. Seriously, I would have said 10 pounds and I would be great. Little did I know. What I have noticed besides better skin, no acid reflux anymore, no love handles, etc., is the leveling of my mood. 
I really felt crazy for a while, and I believe the IF helped a ton. I even kicked my Diet Coke habit, which has to be good for me. My blood work numbers are all better, and they are better when compared to all of the last eight years, some of which I was running and working out and eating right, so this says something. My fast can be 19 to 23 hours, and then my windows change too, sometimes just an hour, sometimes four. So if I fast 23 hours and then my window is four hours, does that mean my day has two, does that mean my day has 27 hours in it? <laughs> Do I need to only have a window for an hour? I confuse myself when I think about this. Oh, and I will just say, Annie, yeah, I think about that a, a lot. That's why I just want the, uh, the day to be longer. She says, I'm never hungry, but sometimes I just miss aimless and mindless eating. You know what I mean? Just eating just to eat because it looks good or smells good or because someone offers it. So once in a while, when I open my window, I intentionally graze. It's dumb, but sometimes I just miss it. Isn't it great when a passion leads to a great career? I started a museum as a dream, and now we have 77,000 visitors a year. I love what I do. I'm so happy for you that you've shared your passion for IF and good things are happening for you. And I'm thrilled that maybe our country can turn a corner towards a healthier future. The families that come through our door now are much heavier than the families 20 years ago, and it breaks my heart. But I hope that IF will catch on. Keep up the great work. I encourage everyone to read your book and listen to your podcast, Annie. All right. So that was a great, great email from Annie. And it's always great to hear success with the IF lifestyle. And I think that is one thing that happens to a lot of people is like before intermittent fasting and dieting for a lot of people, you want to lose like this number on the scale, like 10 pounds or something. And that's like your goal. And a lot of people fluctuate, you know, back and forth on these 10 pounds. And it's hard to like get beyond that or to like really feel like you're tapping into like the nitty gritty places, you know, of fat storage and stuff. And I feel like intermittent fasting, and I've been thinking about this more and more, it's like, it's just the way to do that. It's the way to really get in deep. Yeah. And really burn fat that you didn't even realize maybe was there to lose. I was thinking about it more because right now I'm reading the diabetes code by Jason Fung and he keeps talking about atopic fat, which I wasn't even aware of as a concept, but it's basically, he talks about how fat can go like in your fat cells, obviously, but then atopic fat, it can also go like between fat cells. It can go in organs. It can go in livers. Basically like fat can go almost everywhere in our body, which is especially a problem when our fat cells are full. And I just feel like intermittent fasting is such a great way to just really, really tap into that fat, you know, everywhere. I think so too. So yeah, I think that's right, Melanie. I was looking at photos day before yesterday. I was packing a photo album. You know how when you're packing, you start looking at things? Oh, yes. <laughs> and I found a photo from the early 2000s. This is before I was obese. I was at a downward slope in my weight. And oh, it was the diet pill years, you know. So <laughs> I was maintaining as long as I stuck to the diet pills. It was after that that I yo-yoed and became obese, like for real, starting in 2005. But this was prior to that. And I was looking at myself and I was wearing a dress that I remember feeling so pretty and I felt so slim and so good in my body at that time. I looked at my shoulders and now at the age of 50, you know, not quite 20 years later, but almost 20 years later, I have so much more muscle definition now in my shoulders than I did at that time. And it's just so interesting. Like I have lost, 
you know, all that fat around my the muscle of my arms. I mean, I don't have scrawny arms. They're muscular. They look like I, I mean, then they got a little, I have a little of that underarm thing that middle-aged women get. So my arms are not perfect, but yeah, I, I've lost fat in areas that, thanks to fasting, that were there before. Even when I was slim, I still had that fat or that puffy look. Yeah, it really is pretty revolutionary. <laughs> so yeah, I really enjoyed reading Annie's email a lot. I love that she's following her dream. And she said that, isn't it great when a passion leads to a career? And yes, I wasn't even trying to find a new career. And it it found me because it was a passion. And I think that that's the best way to live your life. Follow your passions and then boom, look what happens. I agree. Today's the first day of school, by the way, from my school system where I used to work. First day of school, yeah. This is my second year not going back to school. So I feel a little nostalgic for the first day of school, but also not sad. (laughs) Not sad at all. I remember last year, this moment for you. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, not sad. But I do miss the children. I just got an email from one of my old students. She's going into fifth grade, and it's always sweet to hear from them. But (sighs) (laughs) I do wonder as well, I was thinking, like Annie said, she talks about her museum. That's so amazing that she started a museum. I know. I wonder what museum she has. I want to know. That's very cool. Let us know, Annie. (laughs) But it's interesting, Jen, you were talking about, or Annie was talking about, and you were talking about having your passions become your career. It is really exciting to be able to have that blend where your passion is supporting you. Although I was talking to my sister, and she was saying that her passion now is like philosophy and the meaning of the universe and, you know, all of these contemplative psychology and things like that. And so she really, her passion now is she really wants to like write or, you know, create ideas about the meaning of life. When I was talking to her, I was like, oh, well, yeah, do that. Like make that your career, like make that your thing. But for her, she said she would rather make her passion be her hobby and make her career not related to her passion because that is too stressful for her. So I wonder if that's a dichotomy. That's interesting. Where people would prefer to you know, make their, keep them separate career, their passion. Yeah. Or if they want to, you know, have the job that supports them and then make their passion, their side hobby. It made me think. Yeah. Now it's making me think, I guess it could be one or the other. Yeah. I, I, I can see her point to a degree because I never get to turn it off. You know, it's my passion, but it feels like 24 seven. Yeah, well, she was saying she didn't want the stress of having, and I guess it might be more applicable when your passion is something that is not as easy, like nine to five type job, you know, like us with writing or podcasting or acting or with my sister with the philosophy. She was saying it would be too stressful for her to like make that try to be her main income. Like she'd rather just have a job that she enjoys. Like now, now she wants to become like an architect, which I was like, that's a lot of time, Danielle, to do that. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. But... She said she'd rather have her main job that is like stable and can definitely, you know, bring in money, be something that she likes, and then have her main passion be like on the side. Yeah, I wish my 19-year-old could get behind that. (laughs) He just only wants to pursue his passion, (laughs) which is, I'm like, I love that. Pursue your passion and also get a job (laughs) in the meantime. 
Good times. I guess that's why so many actors and musicians and stuff wait tables and everything. That's my musician son. He's a musician, but he doesn't want to wait tables. He doesn't like it. Oh, see, I love it. I liked it. And we've talked, like, like I'm finally getting to a place where I can support myself with these passions and this work, but I still wait tables to, like, keep myself active and keep myself, like, I go crazy without it. You like it. You enjoy it. Yeah. I do. I honestly do. And I'm not going to go to the gym, so. I did, too. I enjoyed, you know, talking to people. I liked the social aspect of it. Being around the food. I mean, I really, I enjoyed waiting tables. It's been a long time since I did. But, yeah, I remember liking it. And that's where I met my husband, waiting tables. So, Oh, hey. Yeah. It's like, and then when you pair it with intermittent fasting, it's literally like the gym because you're, when you're, you know, walking around that much in the fasted state, it's almost very evolutionary because you're like, you're not like concentrating on working out, you know, but you have tasks and goals that you're accomplishing and you're moving around and you're talking with people. So I feel like it's, yeah, I like it. They fit together nicely. They do. All right. Shall we move on to the next question? Yes. So this one comes from Karina and the subject is body recomposition. And Karina says, hi girls. I'm a pharmacist from down under. I have struggled with my weight since childhood, never really fat, but obsessed as I never liked my body shape, a typical hourglass. People don't like the hourglass shape. I guess maybe she just felt maybe a hippie or something like, you know, that's really interesting. Yeah, because that's like the ideal that a lot of people want to have. Most people, yeah, I love the hourglass, but... Hi, friends. I'm about to tell you how to get an exclusive discount on one of my favorite products for truly upgrading your health on a cellular level. So the new year is upon us, and it's often a time where people are really trying to instill new habits and really upgrade their health. There's something I have been using for years, not just at the new year, Literally every single day of my life, I am not making that up. Even when I travel, I have a way to address it then, which I will tell you about. And it's something that is so easy and feels amazing. That is red light and near-infrared therapy. Okay, so friends, you could go somewhere and pay a lot of money to do red light near-infrared therapy sessions, or you could just bring it to your home and use it every single day. That's what I do. I've been using Juve red and near-infrared light therapy devices for so long. There are so many clinically proven benefits of red light therapy. That includes improving your skin. Yes, you really will notice it. Faster muscle recovery, reduced pain and inflammation, enhanced sleep, and so much more. I use it in the morning and evening as ambient light because it actually mimics the setting and rising sun. And then I sort of run it throughout the day as well to help combat all of the blue light that we're exposed to, which can have a negative effect on our health. Whenever I have muscle pain, I shine Juve on the muscle. For me, it has made the pain go away instantly. And then for chronic pain, when I do continued sessions, it's made it dissipate. One of my good friends who is a doctor uses these devices on his, shall we say, manhood for benefits there. Yes, it can help in that department as well. I honestly could not imagine my life without Juve. You will just feel so good using these devices. People also post all the time in our Facebook group of their pets gravitating towards the Juve because intuitively they just know that it's good for them. The reason Juve can address so many things related to health is because it actually affects our cells on the mitochondrial level. Basically, it makes those cells perform better. And when those cells are performing better, everything just works better. That's why, yes, Juve can help with your energy as well. I've been recommending Juve specifically for years because the quality of their devices 
are the best. Their modular design allows for a variety of setup options to give you flexibility. The treatments are so easy. You can do them in as little as 10 minutes, or you can be using it all throughout the day like I do. All you have to do is relax and let your body take in the light. They also have their Juve Go, which you can travel with. Yes, that is how I really do use this every single day. That Go is also great for targeting specific areas of your body, like hurting joints or sore muscles. Honestly, friends, health doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be complicated. If you're looking to enhance your health and wellness this new year, start with what matters, which is your cells. And Juve has an amazing offer just for our audience. You can go to juve.com slash ifpodcast and use the coupon code ifpodcast to get a discount on your qualifying order. Again, that's j-o-o-v-v.com forward slash ifpodcast to get an exclusive discount on your order. Pick up Juve today. Some exclusions apply. I really hope you guys can experience Juve. It really is one of my favorite things. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. She says, after my pregnancy with my youngest girl, I gained 24 kilograms. I managed to lose all my weight and more with a carbohydrate addict's diet about 15 years ago. Since moving to Australia in 2003, I just never really managed to go back on it successfully as I really dislike low-carbing and even feel that it is not good for my body. I'm blood type A+. Yes, I think there's not a diet on this earth that I have not done. Anyhow, I've been aware of IF, especially the 5-2, for more than a year or two and have done off and on and had a bit of success when I stuck to it. About 18 months ago, I stopped retail pharmacy work and started to work from home on my own business and since gained six kilograms. I blame the fact that I now have a more sedentary lifestyle. I picked up a book, 16-8, and got intrigued and started following it without weight loss, but really started to feel more energized. Then I came about your podcast. All of a sudden, I knew why the carbohydrate addict's diet was so effective for me. It was because of the fasting, as I naturally gravitated towards fasting as I was less hungry. So instead of eating low carb during the day, it was sometimes just easier to not eat until my reward meal. Can I pop in real quick? That's exactly what the author did, Rachel Heller. I talk about this until I don't deny, but Rachel Heller of the Carbohydrate Addicts Diet, she actually, in the introduction to the book, explains how she lost all of her massive amounts of weight and it was one meal a day. Yeah, that's really, (laughs) I remember you talking about that. Mm -hmm. She did one meal a day. And then when she came up with the plan, she's like, oh, let's have low-carb breakfast, low-carb lunch, and a reward meal. And that was the plan that, that was in the book. But that's not what she did. She did one meal a day. And boy, how things would have been different if she'd have just written it as one meal a day. I know, right? <laughs> I know, because that was the early 90s. It was on Oprah. If she had just written it like that. She would have beat you to the punch. Well, she'd have beat not me, but everybody, you know. You know, I would have liked to have found it sooner. Anyway, I just had to pop that in there. I love that. So she says, any pharmacist will tell you that a pharmacist never has time to eat and they all drink black coffee as it is at least drinkable when cold. My real question comes back to body composition. I hate my hips. I have concentrated fat parts with awful cellulite and no matter what I do, I can't seem to shift it. In fact, with low calorie diets, it gets worse. Although smaller... My shape is more pronounced, really skinny arms and legs in the bottom half, and a backside and thighs totally out of proportion, in my eyes anyhow. My girls tell me it's fashionable now to have a big booty. Thanks, Kim Kardashian. I seem to remember that my body shape did change a lot with the CAD, and I'm hoping that with IF, my body will start to use my fat on my hips, as really I don't have fat anywhere else usually. 
Even the ribs poke out, but the thunder thighs stay. Do you have any opinions or experiences with people having this problem and manage to change their body shape with IF? That will make my life super worthwhile IFing, and I do love it as I travel quite a bit, and now it's just easier not to eat and enjoy a lovely restaurant dinner of my choice in the evening. I tend to eat whole foods as a rule, but still love bread, although I prefer heavy seed bread to white. I've been IFing now for three weeks and lost two kilograms eventually, and I am thinking I can really do this as a lifestyle, as it was so close to what I did naturally when I was at my skinniest. I now weigh 62.5 kilograms, and I'm hoping to be under the 60 kilogram mark in the next four weeks before I visit Canada for the first time. I'm so excited. I forgot this question was up next, but um, we were just talking about seeing changes in body recomposition and muscle tone. Jen, what are your thoughts? Well, I do want to say that if you have a certain body type, be prepared that you may still end up with that, you know, the pear shape. If you are a pear shape, if you've always been a pear shape, you know, if your mother was a pear shape, that just may be your body style. That just may be the way you're supposed to be. And so you may find that you get smaller in that area, but you still may be a pear. Now, it is interesting that your body shape changed a lot with the carbohydrate addicts diet, especially since you were mainly just fasting during the day and eating one meal a day. So maybe there is hope that your body will target that stubborn fat in those areas thanks to intermittent fasting. You'll just have to see. I still have plenty of cellulite in the areas that I always had cellulite. You know, intermittent fasting has not made it go away for me. And my mother has cellulite. My grandmother had cellulite. That's how the women in my family are built. And so... I have really, as I've gotten older, learned to embrace that. That's just the way my body is. And I'm not going to let it stop me from wearing shorts or wearing my bathing suit or doing any of the things that I want to do. And if anybody is like grossed out by my cellulite, that is going to be their problem. (laughs) I'm just open to it now. And I think I've talked about this before, but you just have to, you have to come to terms with your body shape. I remember one time years ago, it might've been the nineties. I don't know. But I was talking to my husband about how I wanted to look. And I pointed to somebody, and I was like, I'm going to look like that. And he's like, you're not ever going to look like that. She's lanky or something. There's somebody who's lanky. You know, long legs, long arms, lanky. And I'm not lanky. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, that's, you're not made like that. And I was like, oh, well, okay then. You know, it just, it just took hearing that from him to help me realize this is the shape my body is. So embrace that booty. <laughs> That Kim Kardashian booty, if if that's what you have, and um, you know, rock the tiny waist and and embrace your size. Maybe you'll lose some of it, but I, I think you'll probably still have the same shape. What do you think, Melanie? Yeah, I have a few thoughts on that. So the basic shapes people talk about, you know, there's the hourglass, there's the pear, the apple, then like the banana, you know, like which is you know straight down. I would make the argument that I think in general, the apple shape, you know, where you're storing fat around the midsection, I mean, I'm sure there are exceptions and this is very generalized interpretation of this, but I do think in general that often manifests today due to, you know, unhealthy fat storage due to like modern diet and stuff. Right. I agree with you. Dr. Jason Fung like I said, I've been reading the diabetes code and he's been talking a lot about this, about how, you know, we preferentially store fat in our abdomen, typically in times of, you know, excess nutrition where our body can't deal with 
you know, storing all that extra fat. So I think if you're like an apple type shape that you could see like very definite changes, you know, and that could, you know, maybe morph into more of a pear shape or more of like a banana or something. I know for me, I feel like I experienced massive changes in body composition and recomposition with intermittent fasting because people would now and for the past few years off all the time are like, are you a ballerina? And nobody ever would have asked me that based on my body shape in the past. Like that wouldn't be what you would think. So it feels like it's like a really different body shape in a way. So as far as like why we store fat though in certain areas, that is going to be based on genetics and hormones and so many things beyond our control. So I think whether or not you see like substantial changes in your actual body shape, I feel like it's probably not as common. I feel like it's more likely if you, if you're starting as like an apple type shape, <laughs> like I said, but yeah, it's definitely really interesting because I've also read arguments that say that the shape thing, you know, it's literally all just diet and hormones and there's nothing like intrinsically in your like skeletal structure that will determine that. So then people say that it's not as resolute as you would think. But then on the flip side, I've heard the opposite, like what you said, Jen, and I feel like that's more realistic. So, and then there's the whole like endomorph, ectomorph, that whole thing. What What are your thoughts on that? Like, what do you mean? What thoughts about what? The, the body's types? The endomorph, the ectomorph. Do you know what I'm talking about? And what do you mean by my, th- I mean, I've seen that. I've seen, I don't, what do you mean by what are my thoughts? Like, what are you asking if I think it's true or? Yeah. Like, do you think that's a defining thing as well? I don't know. It's been a long time since I've thought about that. Yeah, because they say there's like the ectomorph, which is like lean and long. So they have difficulty building muscle. And there's the endomorph, which is like higher body fat, often pear-shaped, and they have a high tendency to store body fat. And then there's the mesomorph, which is muscular and well-built with a high metabolism and more responsive muscle cells. So they have, I guess, the best ability to build muscle. I'm going to research this. Let's table this, and I'm going to research and... (laughs) come back to it. Okay. I mean, I do believe that we have different styles. I think our bodies are different. It makes sense that I don't know what that is based on. Like, what is that? What are those criteria based on? I feel like people float it around a lot and they'll say it's like genetics, but I just also feel like you can make differences, especially after reading all of Ori Hoffmeckler's work. You know, he wrote The Warrior Diet, but he has a book. I think it's called like Maximum, it's like Maximum Muscle, Minimum Fat or something like that. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Reading his work really did make me think that through your consistent training and stuff, you really could change how your muscles and your body uses and stores fat and builds and stores muscle. And so that that could lead to significant body recomposition. I guess the thing that we think about genetically is we do see genetics that make some people more likely to be like endurance runners versus like sprinters. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yep. So, I mean, so there's so many factors at play. Long story short, for body recomposition, I do think intermittent fasting, though, is like one of the best methods to get back to like the naturally healthy body type for your body. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that if you're going to be able to get that body shape change, intermittent fasting is your best bet for targeting it, 100% with that. And I completely agree, too, what you said about the apple shape, because I think that's different than, you know, having the pear shape. Because you're right. I was never an apple shape. Naturally, my body was more of a pear. 
And that's just how I'm built with the larger backside and thighs, you know, the curves down there. But when I became obese, I turned into an apple for the first time in my life. I got that abdominal fat. And so, you know, that's all gone now. And I have a small waist again and, you know, more curvy. It's really motivating, though, that these changes can happen, you know? Right. It's so easy when you're in any one body pattern for whatever reasons to think that it can never change, but it really can. I think it's really important to just know that like consistency is key because it can be like a slower process and people can want to do drastic measures or they want to see results fast. But I really think intermittent fasting, like as a consistency, really just will make a change if you just give it, you know, give it a shot. Yeah, I think so. Hi friends. I'm about to tell you how to get an exclusive discount on one of my favorite products for truly upgrading your health on a cellular level. So the new year is upon us and it's often a time where people are really trying to instill new habits and really upgrade their health. There's something I have been using for years, not just at the new year, Literally every single day of my life, I am not making that up. Even when I travel, I have a way to address it then, which I will tell you about. And it's something that is so easy and feels amazing. That is red light and near-infrared therapy. Okay, so friends, you could go somewhere and pay a lot of money to do red light near-infrared therapy sessions, or you could just bring it to your home and use it every single day. That's what I do. I've been using Juve red and near-infrared light therapy devices for so long. There are so many clinically proven benefits of red light therapy. That includes improving your skin. Yes, you really will notice it. Faster muscle recovery, reduced pain and inflammation, enhanced sleep, and so much more. I use it in the morning and evening as ambient light because it actually mimics the setting and rising sun. And then I sort of run it throughout the day as well to help combat all of the blue light that we're exposed to, which can have a negative effect on our health. Whenever I have muscle pain, I shine Juve on the muscle. For me, it has made the pain go away instantly. And then for chronic pain, when I do continued sessions, it's made it dissipate. One of my good friends who is a doctor uses these devices on his, shall we say, manhood for benefits there. Yes, it can help in that department as well. I honestly could not imagine my life without Juve. You will just feel so good using these devices. People also post all the time in our Facebook group of their pets gravitating towards the Juve because intuitively they just know that it's good for them. The reason Juve can address so many things related to health is because it actually affects our cells on the mitochondrial level. Basically, it makes those cells perform better. And when those cells are performing better, everything just works better. That's why, yes, Juve can help with your energy as well. I've been recommending Juve specifically for years because the quality of their devices are the best. Their modular design allows for a variety of setup options to give you flexibility. The treatments are so easy. You can do them in as little as 10 minutes, or you can be using it all throughout the day like I do. All you have to do is relax and let your body take in the light. They also have their Juve Go, which you can travel with. Yes, that is how I really do use this every single day. That Go is also great for targeting specific areas of your body, like hurting joints or sore muscles. Honestly, friends, health doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be complicated. If you're looking to enhance your health and wellness this new year, start with what matters, which is your cells. And Juve has an amazing offer just for our audience. You can go to juve.com slash ifpodcast and use the coupon code ifpodcast to get a discount on your qualifying order. Again, that's j-o-o-v-v dot com forward slash ifpodcast. 
to get an exclusive discount on your order. Pick up a Juve today. Some exclusions apply. I really hope you guys can experience Juve. It really is one of my favorite things. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. Can we do one more question before we go? Yeah, I think we have time for one more. And this is from Carla. The subject is food tastes different when I break my fast. Carla says, I usually do a 16-8 or longer fast. The first thing I eat to break my fast has a muted taste or just doesn't taste as good as it usually does. Any idea why this may happen? Usually it's just a leftover meal from the night before. Not heavy carb, but certainly not carb free. I have been doing intermittent fasting for about six weeks and love it. Menopausal and have SIBO. That's small intestinal bowel overgrowth. Are those the right words? Small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Oh, back to, yeah, I thought that was wrong when I said it. <laughs> I knew Melanie would know. All right. Has really helped both, except for the hot flashes. Thanks. Love you, ladies. What do you think, Melanie? I have a very good idea of what it might be, but what do you think? Oh, I'm really excited to hear what you think. This is interesting because, so on the one hand, you would think that with intermittent fasting, that because you are in that fasted, calorie-depleted state that when you are, you know, ready to eat again, things would, you'd have like an upregulated sense of, you know, taste or appetite or hunger and things would taste better. But I think we could see, this is just my theory, things could seem more muted, like she says, or don't taste quite as good. I think there, it could be a few different things. I think it could be because A, fasting has made you more like intuitive maybe. So food that was fulfilling kind of like a, not addiction, but fulfilling like, you know, a comfort or a feel good type thing that maybe you're becoming more intuitive. And so it's not creating as much of that like pleasure response. So like that could be like a habit related thing. Or another thing it could be is that if you have like, you know, a lot of fat to lose and you're really in the fasted state that your body is, you know, so pumped with energy from your fasted state that it's not really looking for that. It might be really good with fasting. So it's not looking for that food right at that moment. And you might not have as much of that desire for food when you're no longer desiring food 24 seven to fuel you. So what are your thoughts, Jen? I think it might be ketosis. I I think she might just be having ketones on her breath that are interfering with the taste of the food because I've noticed that in myself. Mine is usually right after I break my fast, I'll have ketone breath like right after breaking my fast. And it's because my body is getting rid of the ketones that it it doesn't need because now I've eaten food. I bet that's it because, you know, we get that taste in our mouths during the fast. And then I think that would interfere with taste. I don't know. That's my theory. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about, I would think it would be more like because ketosis is like filling you with energy. But um. Hmm, that's really interesting. Have you seen things about that in the Facebook groups? Things about what? What do you mean? About the taste in your mouth? About people having like a, yeah, like a, not as much of a desire or a muted taste when they want to eat again. Well, not specifically like that, no. But I know that people have, well, maybe I have actually. I've seen so many things. People have talked about, I have this taste in my mouth that won't go away. You know, they talk about that and that's ketosis. We talk about that all the time. <laughs> people who are new to the idea of ketosis, they're like, what's happening? Why does my water taste different? What's wrong with my mouth? Yeah. So, yep, Carla, sorry we don't have more more specific answers, but I still say keep on keeping on with the fasting either way. 
Absolutely. And if it is ketosis, that's a fabulous sign that your body is burning fat for fuel during the fast. So embrace that funky taste and say, yay, (laughs) I'm burning fat. And there's nothing, nothing better than that. Yeah. And also I feel like not to say that one is better than the other, but, you know, oftentimes the problem with dieting or things like that is, you know, having increased hunger and, you know, wanting to eat food even more. So I feel like if you're like looking for weight loss, which I know she said this was helping with like SIBO and hormones and things like that. But if you're looking for weight loss specifically, this would be possibly a good problem to have, you know, that you're not craving all the things all the time. Yeah. That's a good way of looking at it. Especially if it doesn't last through the whole window, if it's just at the beginning. Yeah. That is something I do wonder. I wonder if it continues to feel that way or, you know, when she continues to eat, how does it change? Okie dokie. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go. If you would like to submit your own questions for the podcast, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. Also at that website, we have ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like, and that's where we put all of these stuff that we like. We're also a Himalaya partnered show. We love the Himalaya network and they make an amazing app to listen to all of your podcasts, keep them all in one place, make one playlist. It's really, really amazing. And make sure you follow us in that app and you will get early access to our show 24 hours in advance, which is amazing. You can also follow us on Instagram. We are IF Podcast and you can follow us on Twitter. We are the IF Pod. All right. Anything else from you, Jen, before we go? Nope. That's all. It's been a great episode as usual. Lots of great questions. We have two I'm actually really, really excited to talk about. Oh, good. Hopefully we'll get to both of them next week. Awesome. Yay. We will try. All right. Well, I will talk to you then. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.